What's going on, people? All right. I want to welcome you to another zone coverage quick shot. And this will this one will be discussing the coaching carousel in the NFL. You know, is Matt Rule worth the money in Carolina? Who is Joe Judge, and can he turn around the Giants? And can Mike McCarthy pick up where he left off in Green Bay? Also, we'll talk about the XFL. It's just a month away. Will you watch? And which of their rules would you like to see in the NFL? All of this and more as we take some quick shots. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? We got something to prove tonight, and we start the whole circle thing off. Hell, we need to stay moved. We're not out. Let's go. All right, and we're back. And let me go ahead and welcome on the homie Buck from the 850 area code, the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida. What's happening, Buck? What Do you have any questions? I got a question. You got any got excuses tonight, Roy? Yeah, I got My it. bad. I do. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually kind of cool. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some coaching changes in the NFL. All right. And uh let's start with Carolina. You know, Carolina got rid of Ron Rivera and they decided to go with Baylor's uh the Baylor Bears coach Matt Rule, who would get a seven year deal worth sixty million. I think that um it can he has incentives where it can be worth as much as seventy million. Uh, but he made four point one million dollars this season at Baylor. So uh, the Panthers paid a six million dollar buyout, and he's going to be getting, you know, I guess roughly eight million dollars a year. So he's doubling his salary, going from college to the pros. Now this is a guy who um, coached at Temple and turned them around. Um, I think they went from just being a horrible program to he went to. They went to ten and two in his third um in his third year and they won their first conference championship uh since nineteen sixty seven under the Matt Rule's rule. Um he went eleven and three at Baylor after starting off, you know, two years after going one and eleven. So that was the I think the most wins for this team. Uh, they lost in the Sugar Bowl. But uh, they had a really good season. So you're talking about a guy that's turned the team around everywhere he's been, 44 years old. He's getting a Carolina team that finished 5-11, and 11, has had three losing seasons in four years since going to the Super Bowl in 2015. Do you think this guy can be the answer? And also, I mean, we don't even know who his quarterback is going to be. So with him being hired, the second question is, do you think he gets Cam Newton back or he moves on with one of the young guys? Well, first of all, you know, I always frown when it comes to college coaches coming up to the NFL. Um, it's different up here. Um, you can't, you know, you're leading men. You're not leading, you know, young men. And you have a lot of different personalities you got to deal with. Um, but Carolina's a pretty good situation. Well, you got, you kind of, you know, you kind of, you're already in transition. 
I don't expect Cam Newton to be playing there next year. Too many injuries. Um, and all I should I think Cam might retire. Um, I just kind of got that feeling by, you know, watching some of the things he's done this year, spending more time with his family and things of that nature. Cam getting beat up. He doesn't get protected like other quarterbacks. And he's a good quarterback, but I think he's lost his mojo. I think he's lost the edge. Um, maybe going somewhere else might help, but I don't know if he will. I just have a feeling that he might just retire. Um, even if he doesn't retire, I think a new coach, he's going to get a new quarterback. So I expect Carolina to change the guard. Um, he kind of started doing that last year. And I think, you know, with McCaffrey, I think they're going to try to build the team around the run game and get some get some new blood in there. Uh, I think David Tepper is kind of trying to build a steel-type squad in Carolina. So um, he, he already referred to the new coach as the next Chuck Noll. So um, I don't see that happening. I, don't think, I mean, it's going to take a little while for him to get his feet up under him. But in any event, I don't think Cam will be there. It would surprise me if he is there. Um, well, I think they're going to be moving on. So We'll see what happens, but they better address some defensive issues that they had this season. They better get some receivers because they hadn't had anything to speak of in quite some time. They got Dante Moncrief on there. I'm not going to talk bad about Moncrief, but he has some messed up fingers, broken fingers in training camp for us. And that's the only reason why it didn't pan out for him there in Pittsburgh. Dante Moncrief is a good, good wide receiver. He just needs somebody to throw it to him and get you know get his confidence built back. We'll see what happens. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know. It's like uh, college coaches coming to the pros. They're kind of feast or famine. I mean, they're either going to hit big or they're going to fall on their faces. And it's hard to say, and I don't know if they made the right decision or not. Um, but, you know, we'll we'll see what goes on and if uh, Carolina can turn it around. But Matt Rule, props to you, man. Going from Temple, you know, what, less than 10 years ago to now in the NFL. I mean, uh, yeah, props to him. He He did his thing. So, all right. So now you have Joe Judge with the Giants. And I'm pretty sure Giant fans were upset. Um, Joe Judge is a special teams coach slash uh, wide receiver coach for the Patriots. And he's 38 years old. Uh, This is a guy who's been mentored by Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. No-nonsense guy, not afraid to ruffle feathers. Um, and he's going to be replacing Pat Shermer, who was fired by the Giants back in December to become the 19th coach in their history. Now, they said that Matt Rule was the favorite for this job, but after he went to Carolina, they decided they would move on um, and go with Judge. Now, you know, John, uh, John Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator 
before he got his shot in the NFL, his first head coaching job, and he panned out well. So I guess they're hoping the same for Judge. Uh, Judge, I mean, this guy, he's a Philadelphia native. Uh, he was he went to Mississippi State, if I'm not mistaken, and he was a, he was um, in the running for the head coaching job at Mississippi State. But, I mean, if you can get an NFL job, you're going to turn down Mississippi State. And Mississippi State right now has to be feeling crazy because, first of all, Lane Kiffin comes to Ole Miss, their rival. They decide after like two or three weeks or two weeks after their bowl game, however long it was, to fire their coach, and now they're behind in recruiting. They're behind in having a coach because they still haven't hired anyone, and I think three of the coaches they've tried to get have gotten jobs elsewhere. So Mississippi State looking kind of bad right now. But anyway, uh, he joined the Patriots in 2012 after three years as a football analyst under Saban in Alabama. Uh, prior to going to Alabama, he spent a season at Birmingham Southern where he was a special teams linebacker coach, a graduate assistant at Mississippi State in 2005. But uh, what do you think about this hire, Buck? I mean, this guy's relatively unknown. Doesn't mean he can't be a great coach. I mean, I criticized the John Harbaugh um, hire, and then he went on to win a Super Bowl. But what do you think about the Giants going with someone who no one's heard of, and how do you think their fans feel about it? You know what? I think this is actually a really good hire for the Giants. Um, anybody from that Belichick tree typically is no nonsense, but now he, you know, he was mentored by two of the, you know, two really good coaches in Saban and Belichick. So you're getting somebody. You know, Giants have really been undisciplined for the last seven or eight years. Maybe we just say the last ten. Um, I know that there were some Super Bowls won in the last 10, but really, they've really played uninspired to me, um, especially in the last five. So I really think, you know, you know, they've had some really bad coaches the last last five years, um, going all the way back to, you know, the last few years of, uh, of the, the old man that went down there to Jacksonville. Um, and it's in the front office. This causing a whole lot of havoc down there for those guys. But um, I, ju- I just think that it's time for some new blood in, in there that can make these guys play, um, make them accountable, make them, you know, play some really good football, um, get them back to winning ways. And sometimes it does take somebody that you've never heard of to come in there and do something. Um, I think they're taking kind of like a Mike Tomlin approach. Nobody really heard of Mike Tomlin, even though he was, you know, you know, defensive back coaches and things of that nature in Minnesota. And then went down you know, from Tampa to Minnesota and then to Pittsburgh. So, um, and it worked out for Pittsburgh. I kind of kind of had that same feeling about, you know, we mentioned Harbaugh as well. Kind of had the same, same feeling about this guy. Um, he's going to get in there. You know, get the, and it really depends on his supporting cast. Any of these new coaches um, that are taking these, taking on these jobs, you got to have a good supporting cast, especially if you have you don't have the NFL pedigree or the NFL coaching experience. You really got to have some position coaches that have NFL experience that can help you along the way, and they need to be strong candidates. 
The NFC was the NFC East was the worst division in football this year. Just with the new blood in coaching from Mike McCarthy to Ron Rivera, you know, to this guy here, and you know, Washington as Washington as well. This could end up being the best division in football just from from a coaching standpoint alone. Um, you know, it's really going to be interesting to see what these, you know, what they do in the war room. There's, there's going to be a lot going on in this division for sure. So uh, the only coach to retain the damn job is Philadelphia. So, um, you know, Bill Peterson. So it's going to be really interesting to see three brand new coaches and how this division shakes out next year. Who, you know, what players will be on what teams. Um, you know, there's a potential that may not be a you know may not be the quarterback in Dallas. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see. I mean, they may pay him, they may not pay him. So it, it's going to be a real interesting to see how, you know, how the Giants shake things out. You know, this fool that they drafted this year may be still sitting next year, and you know, Eli Manning may be gone somewhere else. You know, what if Eli Manning's in the Dallas uniform and Dak's in the Giant uniform? I mean, stranger things will happen. So <laughs> I'm just throwing this out here. I ain't heard. I'm not trying to start no rumors tonight, so nobody get their panties in the wild. Uh, you're so, having Adam Schefter you know, on the phone line. I know, right? But I'm just saying, stranger things will happen. This is the NFL. That means not for long, you know, so – we don't see what's going to happen, but with all these all these coaching changes, you know it's going to be some player changes. You can see Cam Newton in a Washington Redskins uniform or a Tampa Bay uniform. Um, you know, it, it it could be hell. You might see Cam Newton in Dallas. Who knows? I mean, it, you know, it's 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 going it's going to be wild in this division. So we'll see what happens. I'm throwing some things out there to make these coaches think too, in case they listen to the show. Y'all might want to go out some folks, make some draft picks, do some and learn, get your stud, uh, get your franchise quarterback. I know, right? Mm-hmm. And, all right, well, you know, the Cowboys picked up Mike McCarthy. Um, it's been reported it's a five-year deal. Uh, let's see, I don't know anything about money or anything, what it's going to be, but I heard it's a five-year deal. I was thinking it would be probably like a a four-year deal or, you know, yeah, five years is fine. And, you know, Mike McCarthy does have a resume. Uh, he won a Super Bowl, and he's had some success in his career. He was quarterback coach for, like, Joe Montana. He's worked with Favre. He's worked, you know, of course, developed Aaron Rodgers. Um so this is a guy that has a track record. He's worked under Andy Reid, uh, some great offensive minds, and um, he's had some success in the postseason. Things didn't necessarily end all that well in Green Bay. I don't think he took defense seriously towards the end of his um, tenure there. But now he's in Dallas where they have the number one offense, and he has an opportunity to do something with this team, um, depending on who Dallas Resigns and brings back and all that good stuff. So, Buck, what do you think about the hire? Jerry Jones, you know, was expected to go grab a college coach 
and try to make a splash this way. But I don't really look at this as a splash higher. To me, this comes off as a higher as Jerry Jones is serious about winning. Yeah, this is the best hire since Jimmy Johnson. Um, I mean, the only thing is he got to keep his he got to keep his hand out of the pot. Uh, Mike McCarthy has reinvented himself. Did you hear what this man has done during during his time not coaching? This man set up basically a room in his garage, brought other former coaches and former assistants in, and they studied the analytics of football. Because he thought his, you know, his coaching style may have gotten a little dull towards the end, so he wanted to kind of reinvent himself. So you know, everybody can learn something. You can always learn something at any age. And I thought this was an excellent thing. You know, studying the enemies of the game, seeing whether the game has changed, um, being able to relate to some of these newer players, new play calls, yada yada yada. You know, I, I've made fun of, of the Cowboys a lot in recent years because I'm not even a Cowboy fan, but I know their fucking plays. Um, you have to be innovative. Um, and, you know, you got to score more than 28 points. I mean, I said that so many times until I was blue in the face. And because, I mean, everybody knows he's going to get the ball, so it's going to be easy to stop. And then, you know, Amari Cooper, you know, from, from what Ray has said, you know, Mark Cooper don't show up for all the games. I know the Cowboys had him sitting on the sidelines a lot during the latter part of the season because he wasn't in a supposedly rotation and all that kind of shit. And then when he does go out there, he drops the damn football. Mark Cooper sometimes kind of goes into a shell in big games. You know, he kind of he kind of like that. What you know, the Kirk Cousins of, of the wide receivers. You know, except he just just bogs down. So, um, you know, that I expect Mike McCarthy to make the necessary changes, I expect. I also expect, you know, the free agent wide receiver that used to play for him up there in Green Bay, who's a free agent now for Dallas, I think Randall Cobb will definitely be back as a slot receiver for Dallas. I don't expect Amari Cooper to be there, and Dak might not be there either. Um, you know, he's playing under a rookie deal still. So, um, you know, there's a uh, Mike McCarthy can in, study Dak Prescott. So, hey, you know, he may be able to help him help his game and help him evolve um, if they can come to some sort of agreement as far as the money goes. But this is a great hire by Jerry Jones. Just keep your ass in the press box. Don't try to tell him how to coach because you got a guy that's been there, done that, and he did it with one of the best that ever played the game. So if Jerry Jones can keep his hand out the pie and keep his hands to himself, and let this man run this team, the Dallas Cowboys maybe can be America's team again and actually win some games and maybe actually get to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I think it's, I think he finally did an excellent job by not getting a college coach and getting somebody who has the experience and can get – that's not afraid to get on the players if they're screwing up and get this team disciplined enough to where they can go out there and win games and not be so predictable. This is a great hire by by the Dallas Cowboys. They they couldn't go wrong here. When I when I first heard the news, uh, I really didn't know what to think because this is not. I didn't expect Mike McCarthy to take this job. I heard his name, but I'm like Mike McCarthy doesn't want to work for Jerry Jones. But uh, I guess I was I was wrong. And Mike McCarthy is the type of guy that doesn't like the limelight. He doesn't like the media 
or talking to them or whatever. But so I don't think that would really bother him as far as Jerry Jones is concerned. But I wonder what kind of compromise they're going to come come to when it comes to discussing strategy. When Jerry Jones has a press conference, sometimes he'll discuss strategy and injuries and stuff like that. And as a head coach, I wouldn't want that. Don't be telling anybody, you know, if there's any strategy to be revealed, let it come from the head coach, not from the GM. So we'll see if, you know, there's any clash when it comes to that. Because Mike McCarthy is one of those guys who always had a reputation of being um, a control freak. So um, this could be another Jimmy Johnson situation in the making. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, even if Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl and left the day after, I think I would take that over what we've been getting over the last 25 years for sure. Um, Mike McCarthy is bringing on Mike Nolan as his defensive coordinator. He's a linebacker coach for the Saints. He'll be the new defensive coordinator. And let, let me show how these two teams um, – how 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 these 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 two guys intertwine with Cowboys history book. All right, you ready for this? Now I'm ready. Uh, Mike Nolan's dad, Dick Nolan, you may remember him. Uh, he used to coach the 49ers back in the 70s. Uh, plus, he's yeah. had you know different stints as defensive coordinator around the league. Dick Nolan used to be teammates with Tom Landry with the New York Giants in the 50s. All right. So that, that's one connection there as far as to the Cowboys uh, because Tom Landry went on to coach, be the first coach of the Cowboys. Uh, also, a lot. this is just something that a lot of people don't know. You know, Muhammad Ali is credited for being the first athlete to uh, sign an endorsement deal. But a lot of people don't know Dick Nolan back in the 50s was the first Marlboro man at Times Square um, in New York. He he was the Marlboro man that. back in the fifties. Okay. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, so you have that connection there. Uh, Dick Nolan was coaching the Forty ers when Tom Landry eliminated them twice in the playoffs in the seventies, which resulted in Dick Nolan being fired. So he lost his job because of the Cowboys. Uh, he later became a defensive coordinator for Tom Landry in that flex defense in the late seventies, early eighties, maybe. Uh, so yeah, he was a coordinator. He once told a story uh, to Everson Walls, who used to be one of my favorite cowboy players back in the eighties when he was, uh, Everson Walls was a DB in Dallas. He told Everson Walls that back in the fifties, that the teams didn't have their own doctor. They just rented a doctor that was local to the area. So he said he went to the Giants were playing the Cleveland, the Giants were playing the Cleveland Browns, and they had a doctor in the stands. And the, the doctors didn't get paid; they just got two tickets to the game. <laughs> so the doctor is watching is watching the game, and because someone had asked Dick Nolan in his in his old years uh, why what was wrong with his shoulder because he walked, I guess his shoulder was kind of just sticking out. And so he's telling them this story about what happened back in the fifties. So Dick Nolan said he got hurt in the second, early in the second quarter in this game. So he went to the locker room and somebody went in the stands and told the coach that he was hurt. Well, the coach was like, well, I'm watching the game. So I'll be in there at halftime. <laughs> so he said, That's why his shoulder was messed up to the day he died. 
because he had to sit the whole second quarter with him in, the, in the locker room instead of the doctor coming back in and setting his shoulders. So uh, <laughs> evidently the doctor was a Browns fan. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, Dick Nolan worked for Tom Landry and everything. Now, as far as Mike McCarthy is concerned, how he's tied to Dallas, Mike McCarthy was the coach that put a beat down on the Cowboys that got Wade Phillips fired. Who got hired after Wade Phillips? Jason Garrett. So Mike McCarthy indirectly is responsible for Jason Garrett getting the Cowboys job when he did. Uh, Who put the Cowboys out of the playoffs twice? Uh, Green Bay. You know, in 2014, 2016, they put the Cowboys out of their misery twice under Mike McCarthy. And ironically, Mike McCarthy's Super Bowl that he won, he won in Dallas in 2010 at Cowboys Stadium. A lot of times in this game. And, And I'm guessing that Jerry Jones probably asked Mike McCarthy one question before he gave him the job. He probably asked him, did Dez catch it or not? And I'm guessing Mike McCarthy said, yeah, he caught it. <laughs> so, but um, I'm happy about the the, the signing, man. Um, oh, Now, Mike Nolan, I got to be honest with you. Mike Nolan has been in the league for like 25 years as a coach or 30 years, something mm. like that. I yeah. don't ever remember him having a good defensive team. <laughs> I'm a little concerned there. Now, I know he's worked with Mike McCarthy before he gave I'm I'm actually surprised he didn't go after Ray Phillips since the Rams let him go. So, you know, kind of get him back over there in Dallas. But I think Wade Phillips is played out. I don't think Wade wanted to – I don't think that Wade would want to come back. Plus, we can't – we don't have the personnel for a 3-4 defense. So, we couldn't – and I'm not – I know they're not going to start over and trying to get a bunch of players for that, but um, yeah. I mean, I would have liked that they like like for them to hire Marvin Lewis if that was possible. But uh, yeah, Mike Nolan is the guy, and uh, we'll see what happens. He gave um, um, Mike McCarthy a job when Mike Nolan was the coach of the Forty ers back around like two thousand five. He gave Mike McCarthy, I think, his first offensive coordinator job, maybe. So maybe Mike's returning mm-hmm. the favor. He's used to working with the man. Now, everybody on the Cowboys' defensive side of the ball, all their defensive coaches are pretty much um, – their contract has expired. Uh, Richard, he interviewed for the Giants' job. He's interviewing for another job too, I think. Um, Ryan Marinelli, you know, he's probably going to retire. But on the offensive side of the ball – uh, Kellen Moore is still there. John Kittner, quarterback coach. Uh, Mark Colombo, offensive line coach. And I got a feeling that they're going to keep Mark Colombo on that offensive line because that offensive line was, you know, got so much better as the year progressed. And um, with Kellen Moore, I don't know. Kellen Moore actually has an interview with the University of Washington to be their head coach. So, I mean, does he decide to go the college route to be a head coach? Or does he take advantage of an opportunity to work under Mike McCarthy as an offensive coordinator? I don't know. But Kellen Moore is not necessarily out just because Mike McCarthy is in, even though we know Mike McCarthy is going to call the plays. And, um, you know, John Kittner might still be around too. So we'll see what happens there. 
But as long as they get new people on defense and then get a new special teams coach, I'm good with everything else because our special teams is garbage and has been for quite some time. So that's what's been going on with the coaching carousel. Cleveland, ironically, who was, what, the first to fire their coach, still has not hired anyone, Buck. Um, and everybody that Cleveland wants, they're not going to get it. it they haven't gotten so far. So uh, what do you think happens with Cleveland? Who do you think uh, they end up with or who's the best best person for them? Nobody. Because when you get rid of John Dorsey, who got all the talent in the building that you have now, and you part ways with John Dorsey, um, that was a mistake. Um, I don't know what the Haslam's are thinking about. Um, John Dorsey got I mean the Cleveland Browns haven't had this much talent since since when they were the old Browns with Brian Sight and those guys and, and, and Clay Matthews and all them guys that it, they used to terrorize us from time to time. Um I don't know what the Haslam's are thinking about. I wouldn't want to go to Cleveland. Um, this team is not going to achieve anything but losing next year. I don't care who they got coaching. The only person that can get I'm – I'm going to go back to the old days, back to the Tom Flores days when he was up there in Seattle and when and when Mike Holmgren was up there in Seattle. The only person that can resurrect the Cleveland Browns is God. And God not coming down to coaching because <laughs> God's a Steeler fan. So, sorry. Um, oh, Lord. Cleveland Browns – I'm just playing about that part. But, anyway um, – Cleveland, I wouldn't want to coach Cleveland Browns. Would you? So, I don't know who they're going to get. Give me enough, some give me enough money, I will. I'd give them get enough money, but hell, I, I mean, man. Uh, Baker Mayfield better make some more commercials, because that's the only way he's going to make any money. Because whoever they bring in there, I mean, and they talking about the head coach is going to be hired first, and then the GM and all this bullshit. They better get their head out of their ass because them the NFL draft is in April. That ain't that far off. So you better get your ass in gear and get your scouts. I mean, you're looking at the um, you're looking at the damn um, senior bowl coming up at the end of January, and you ain't got a coach and you ain't got a GM. It ain't looking good for Cleveland right now. So you better get your ass in gear because the coaches are getting snatched up, and you better if and whoever you were looking for. You know, hell, you better throw Marvin Lewis' ass off in there and just call it a day so he can get his coaching staff together before the damn senior bowl. Just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. You better get Marvin Lewis. At least you'll get seven wins. You know, he might be able to get the devil to come over there and, and play for hey, you. He'll get you. But, uh, he's, been, he's known for getting teams to the playoffs. So, yep. I think Marvin Lewis win, is a great hire. He'll get, yep. Yeah, he'll get but, you there. Uh, He'll get you there. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, you better have him get a coach because everybody else has been snatched. Yeah, they're going to need one. So, All right, so let's talk about the XFL really quick, and then we'll shut things down. But first of all, it starts on February the 8th. Will you be watching the XFL? I might check some games out. I mean, I think they're going to do it a little bit differently this time around. I know they've been protecting the players from the NFL because they've been, you know, there've been teams, with, you know, with a, a barrage of, of injuries, Steelers included. We even tried to get uh, our old quarterback back, you know, when when big men went down, and they protect them. Said hell no. Um, we tried to get some wide receivers and running backs. 
the XFL, and they said no. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do. Um, I'm probably going to catch a few games just to see what's going on and see how they've improved from the last time and, you know, see if it's a good product on the field. It'll be interesting to see. I'm definitely going to check it out to start. Um, I said I may adopt the St. Louis team, the Battle Hawks, see how that goes. But um, I'm going to give it a try. But, I mean, let's talk about some of the rules, but they have some crazy rules. Like, But, you know, maybe some of these rules may work in the NFL. Who knows? But one rule that I think is a little crazy, and I'm not really a fan of it, you're allowed to pass the ball forward twice as long as the first time doesn't go past the line of scrimmage. So, in other words, a quarterback can drop back, throw a screen pass, they can catch the screen pass, and then throw it downfield. What do you think about that rule? That's interesting. <laughs> I want to see how that works. I want to see it in, 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 in you know, check it out game-wise and see what it see what it's all about. Um, that sounds like it could be pretty good. We'll see what happens. I don't know. That's a little weird for me. Uh, let's see. What else are they going to have? The point at the touchdown, all right, and they're not going to have any kicks or anything like that. In the XFL, uh, the offense will have three options to score points. You can get a one. You can get one point by trying to score from the two-yard line. You can get a two-point conversion from the five-yard line, or a three-point conversion from the ten-yard line. So that means um, if you're down by nine points, nine points is a one-score game because you can score a touchdown and go for three essentially. What do you think about that? That's interesting. I want to see how that plays out. Um, one, two, or three points and no kicks. That that could be fun. That could be fun. That's going to add some excitement to the game for sure. All right. Next, you have overtime. All right. The way overtime is going to work, they're going to have a five-round overtime. It's almost like a hockey shootout or penalty kicks in soccer or something. Teams will alternate five single play possessions with the team scoring the most points. Um, each score is worth two points. It's declared the victor. So in other words, you get five chances at one play. I guess they put the ball at the 10 yard line or something. And every time mm-hmm. you score, you get two points. So in other words, if one team scores eight points, the other team scores six and that's how the game's going to end. But everyone gets five chances. All right. So, and they changed the rule to the kickoffs and punts. Uh, there's going to be a 25-second play clock. So, the you don't have long to get get plays in. 25 seconds. Um, outside of the two-minute warning, um, the clock is going to always run, just like a soccer game. So incomplete passes, running out of bounds, all that stuff, the clock will continue to run until you get to two minutes. All right, that's going to mean it's going to be a fast, up-paced, tempo game. Um, I mean, what do you think about it so far? I mean, these rules, uh, do you think that they're going to be anything that the NFL should look at? I mean, I like the idea of the running clock. Uh, Maybe not down to two minutes. I would like it probably down to five minutes. 
but I like the idea of the running clock kind of speed the game up. Uh, I want to see something. I wouldn't mind seeing something different in overtime. I don't know about five chances or whatever, but I mean, anything that then, and then you only have to get one foot down for a catch, just like in college, but anything the NFL should adopt. I don't think so. Um, Simply because that, I think it would piss off the NFL sponsors. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, the NFL going to fuck up enough as it is. So I don't think they need to adopt any of these because um, this is for this league and this league only. Um, I'm surprised you didn't pick the Dallas Renegades for your team. But um, I, you know, I just I don't think any of these rules are actually work for the NFL. So. They work for these guys and make make them high, more highly conditioned. Um, since it's going to be a more of a fast paced game, so it may be an advantage for one of these guys if they decide they want to trek off into the NFL. You know, because this is kind of like their start. So we'll see how it works. All right. I mean, uh, I I don't know exactly how the kickoffs work. I know the kickoffs are a little different. I think I think that the team that's kicking off lines up at the opponent's what, forty five yard line and the opponents can line up at the forty, so they're like five yards apart. But uh you can't move until the player touches the ball on the return or the ball um, is like bounces for at least three seconds, something crazy like that. But I guess they're trying to pre- prevent collisions from people running 20 yards and getting a head start. So they're putting them like right there together to almost like a scrum, so to speak, when someone kicks off. I don't know. That's going to be unusual. It's going to take me a while to get used to the rules, but who knows? They could be exciting. And um, I think we have to be open-minded when it comes to new rules. Uh, within the game of football, because for so long, the NFL is the end-all, be-all, and anything outside of what they do we think is stupid. And it may not necessarily be. They may have some good ideas, you know, in the NFL. I mean, excuse me, in some of the other leagues, and maybe the NFL can adopt them, especially like the XFL say anything under five minutes, they're going to automatically review certain plays and that's something the NFL needs to really work on because their their reviews are are horrible. And, but we didn't really talk about it in the Minnesota Saints game, but uh, we can talk about that and then we'll shut things down. Did you think that was offensive pass interference um, by Kyle Rudolph uh, against the Saints defender? And do you think that it should have been reviewed? No, I don't think so. Um... Saints gonna sit up there and cry. They're getting just like the Alabama fans, and they crying foul, you know, crying foul, crying spilt milk, whatever. Uh, first of all, like I said earlier in the in the, in the broadcast on the other show, um, when you step on the football field, you got two two groups of people you got to beat. You got to beat the team across from you. You got to beat the referee. You do not want your game your your game to be decided by one of these referees to decide that they want to go with what's you know what's done on the field. And it's not enough conclusive evidence to change it. Um, what's conclusive is the Saints didn't do enough to win the football game because they were creating too many errors, fumbling the ball, throwing interceptions, uh, not running the ball enough by your by your star players. 
Um, don't blame it on the referees. Blame it on yourself because you didn't do enough to win the football game, period. So when you got a Hall of Fame quarterback that just broke every, you know, the passing yardage leader and all that kind of bullshit, and you, you don't sit there and go, the refs didn't make the right call. No, your dumbass put the game, you know, you didn't do enough to keep the game, put the game away. And that's really what it came down to. It should not come down to a referee making a certain call. Could it be passing interference? I'll just put you this way. That's probably the, the two most outrageous calls on the football field, holding and passing interference, are probably done on every single play on the football field. Every time, every pass play on the, on the uh, football field, that's pass interference. It doesn't matter where it gets caught. That's holding on every play in the football, every every play in the football game. It doesn't matter if you get if the player getting caught. So, but when you turn the ball over and make critical errors, dropping passes, things of that nature, don't blame it on the referees. Blame it on your sorry ass play. Stop asking. You know, the NFL ain't sending you a letter this year talking about we made a bad call. Then let the guys play. You see the results. You didn't stop them. So, Saints got what they deserve. Shut the fuck up. Stop whining. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I don't know. I think that the, uh, I think that it 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 was pass interference. Although I will say that I was fine with the no call. All right, I, I I was fine with with the no call. However, I think that you have to review it. In this situation, in that stadium, you created the rules for these fans. How can you not review it in front of those guys? And that's what I didn't understand. So even if you decided not to overturn it, I think you had to look at it because the rules were created for the site. And um, you basically screwed them with a rule you created for them. So I didn't agree with, with that. I think you got to look at it. But other than that, I was fine with oh, no call. Uh, well, I look at it I huh? look at it like this. All scoring, play, all scoring plays were reviewed. The scoring play were reviewed. I don't know if the pass interference, obviously the pass interference wasn't reviewed. But, you know, all scoring plays were reviewed. So to me, maybe the pass interference was reviewed. When the score, you know, for the scoring play, but I mean, they, you know, they didn't say the, that it was. The they didn't say that well, it was specifically, you know. and maybe, and maybe it was, but I just think uh, maybe the referee needs to say something, say more about it. I don't, I don't know, but it just like it was handled poorly, you know. And yeah, they're going to be crying for another year, and I mean, that's just what it is. They played poorly. Um, they had opportunities. That they weren't able to make take advantage of, unfortunately, and that's just how it goes. But uh, I, I just would have liked to have seen, seen a little bit more effort, I guess, so to speak, with that uh, with that rule to try to at least act like you tried. But maybe they felt like, hey, ain't no sense in getting these folks mad by looking at it and then still saying that it was a touchdown. So we'll just go ahead and go into the house. Uh, so that's what it kind of looks like they did. But, but all right, Buck. So uh, you got anything before I shut this thing down? 
Well, you know, NASCAR season is right around the corner. Um, Speed Reefs, they're going to be probably testing in Daytona um, probably next week or the week, um, you know, getting some tests, tire tests done, things of that nature for NASCAR. Uh, Rolex 24-hour Daytona is coming up. Um, the young protege, um, Haley Deegan, female race car driver who created a whole lot of buzz last year. She won a couple of races in the um, the, ARCA, in the ARCA series last year, um, well, in the K&N Pro Series, um, in the lower tier series uh, for NASCAR. Um, is moving up to ARCA this year. She, don't have some, she may have some truck series races, but Ford signed her. Um, so they kind of take out her Chevrolet and um, promote her. She's going to be running the Mustang in the uh, Rolex 24-hour. So she's getting her feet wet. She's doing some testing in Daytona right now. Um, that girl created a lot of buzz last year. This girl drives really, really good. I mean, she kind of, you know, she kind of got that Tony Stewart, Dale Earnhardt mentality. Um, Rubbin's racing kind of attitude, um, real fun. She's on, she's a YouTube sensation. If you haven't got a chance to check her out, check her out. I mean, the girl has no fear. She's way better than Danica Patrick and any of these other females we've seen um, come up through the ranks. Um, maybe, you know, um, other than Dale Earnhardt's oldest daughter. But this chick here is bad to the bone. I love watching her race. Um, Ford was smart enough to go ahead and sign her. So it's going to be interesting to see what she does in a Ford this year uh, for racing. But racing getting ready to kick up. It's right around the corner. Daytona 500 on the February the 16th. Hopefully I can get a chance to get down there and go see it. Um, it's time. It's time to get them V8 engines running. I'm, I'm getting excited. But right now it's still football season. And, and, the, and the playoffs are really, really exciting so far. Definitely enjoyed all the games last week. I think we're going to get similar, if not better, enjoyment out of this week's games. So, looking forward to it. All right. And on that note, everyone go to TalkToQ.com, sign up for the email newsletter, have this podcast delivered directly into your inbox. You can also follow me on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere there's a podcast aggregator. You can finally, you can probably find T2Q or zone coverage. Everyone have a great evening or great afternoon, depending on when you listen to this podcast. And we'll catch you next time. Peace out. <laughs>